What is the status of the restaurant industry after the death of the Restaurant Revitalization Fund? Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Lance Trenary. He is the CEO of Golden Corral and the Chairman of the National Restaurant Association's Board of Directors. We're speaking from the Association's annual show in Chicago. Last week, Congress killed a re-up of the RRF. That will leave more than 177,000 restaurants without promised funding that was supposed to help them recover from the pandemic. We talk about that, and we talk about the state of the industry at the moment, including supply chain costs, labor costs, and other challenges, and what this could do to the mostly independent restaurants that were expecting the funding, not to mention many, many others. The association, by the way, is the majority owner of Winsight, parent company of restaurant business. It's a good conversation with the chair of the National Restaurant Association, so please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Lance Trenary. Lance, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hey, thank you so much. Great to see you again. So, uh, first off, congratulations on being the gold plate winner. That's fantastic. Well, I tell you what, it's a great honor for our entire team at Golden Corral. And as we've said all along, the comeback will be greater than the setback. So mm-hmm. we're, we're excited about it. Thank you. Right. So uh, you are, correct me if I, you're the chair of the National Restaurant Association. That's correct. Right? Yes. And so that technically kind of makes you my boss since the association <laughs> is a majority owner of Winsight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I better watch out what I ask on this particular one. So, so, so let's let's talk a little bit about like kind of the state of the industry right now, from your perspective, sure. just generally. What do you think? Where's the industry at? Is it is it still in a recovery phase? Do you think that the industry has recovered, or what's what's going on? Well, no, I think, you know, the last two years with the pandemic really were a challenge for the restaurant industry, obviously. But as we started emerging um, at the end of 21, we started seeing some great increases in comp store sales and recovery of meal counts and things of that nature. Then Omicron hit and the first part of the year got off to a slow start. Then the industry started recovering again and you saw a bump up. But now we're faced with new headwinds. So not only are we still emerging from all of the pandemic, but now we're faced with inflation, rising wages, workforce shortages, supply chain shortages. So I don't think that the industry has recovered yet. There's segments that are doing better than others. But when you look back at it in comparison with 2019, the industry still has a long way to go. Um, we've, and that's after we've lost over 100,000 restaurants throughout the industry. So it's still a very difficult time um, throughout the country. So if we look at what happened since really roughly November. So I remember in November, I'm talking to a banker and the bankers were like, yeah, margins are, are expanding. That's what they said. That was a, their term, not mine. Sure. Margins were expanding in November. I talked to that same banker in December <laughs> and he's like, margins are contracting. Right. And uh, that was in December. And you know very well what's happened since December. My question is like, are we concerned that more restaurants are going to go out of business at this particular point? You know, I, unfortunately, I believe that is going to be the case. There were 177,000 restaurants counting on Congress to do, do the right thing. And they dropped the ball um, with the Restaurant Recovery Fund. They couldn't find a solution. And their partisanship got in way of being able to do the right thing for the restaurant industry. And um, so it failed in the Senate this last week, and there's really no, 
opportunity for it to resurface. So I think when those restaurants were that were holding on to it, we have individual franchisees that were counting on being able to get that. And remember, these are restaurants that were already approved to get those recovery funds. And many of them had letters saying the money will be in your bank account on Friday. And then the SBA said, no, I'm sorry, we're running out of money. So I think when that came through Thursday, it took a lot of the wind out of the sails of a lot of restaurants across the country. Many independents are going to be facing some difficult decisions because there is no economic relief right now. It's not like the headwinds uh, that we we're facing with the pandemic are over. Um, they're, if anything, increasing right now as far as pressure on the P&L. So it's, it's a difficult time. And I think more restaurants probably will end up closing. So there is nothing coming on the horizon that's going to give relief to these independent restaurants? There's really not anything right now. Uh, Right now, what we're really trying to focus on at the National Restaurant Association is now, now that the relief efforts are off, there is still some hope that we can get the fourth quarter of 21 ERTC money uh, still approved. Um, And so we're uh, we're working on that diligently with uh, some members of Congress. But again, it's going to face the same problems that any kind of relief spending. The Republicans um, don't want to spend new money and the Democrats don't want to uh, uh, spend as money as, you know, as part of the existing program. So it's going to be a challenge uh, to get any kind of additional relief. So we're also trying to work on making sure there's no more harmful legislation things like tip credit or, or things of that nature that are looming out there, any kind of wage uh, issues or labor issues that could be additional problems for operators throughout the country. So let's talk a little bit about some of these pressures that restaurants are feeling. Let's start with the supply chain. Sure. <laughs> because food costs are up in the 16 to 17% range over the past year. Right. How... I mean, first off, in your career, have you seen food costs up to that extent? Never. And never a meteoric rise like what it's been. Because you think even just, you know, six, eight months ago, we weren't faced with these kind of of rapidly increasing prices. And, you know, our, our manufacturing partners throughout the country are doing everything they can do, but they're under the same kind of pressures. And so... There's uh, it's it is a real problem in the restaurant industry right now because it's affecting every segment, and again going back to no one's completely recovered financially from the two years that you know we've got deferred payments that are coming due now we've got debt that they built over the last couple of years and then now all these new pressures on the P and L and the offset is obviously you take price right. But the consumer is being faced with many of the same things. So when they're faced with the rising gas prices and grocery store bills and everything else that's uh, going up in the country, they can't afford to eat out as much. And then when you're having to take price at the restaurant, it really puts pressure on the uh, on the margins because less and less uh, consumers are going to be able to come into our, our restaurants across the country. So it's it's going to be a difficult situation for the foreseeable future, because you're right, 16, 17% now, we're forecasting that food inflation is probably going to hit 19% this year. And even though menu prices are up about 7% year to date, um, there is still some more growth in menu prices. And when you add that to the rising inflation that the customer is feeling at home, there's just not enough money. The, the customer is going to run out of the opportunities. So there becomes a tipping point 
that you can only charge so much with a customer, even if you are a great value, that they will be able to just plain afford to go, be able to go out to eat. In our, in our case at Golden Corral, our most loyal customer eats with us 70 times a year. Well, if they're spending $5,000 more at the grocery store or gas or some of their home uh, utilities, things of that nature, then they're not going to be able to eat with us 70 times a year. And we rely on those customers. And many other brands are, are the same way. And so it's I'm very concerned about the um, the remainder of, of 22. And, and I unfortunately think even to the beginning of 23 that we're going to see these kinds of headwinds. Yeah, it's it's worth pointing out that like you got food costs up in the sixteen and a half percent range. Right. You wage rates are up thirteen percent, right? Um, at least, and yet menu prices are up only actually seven point two. Right. So there is, you know, I mean, clear, you know, clearly there is a gap, and so even though what we've seen, and especially in a lot of restaurants, are actually generating stronger sales, and yet their margins are really contracting. Oh, I think that's exactly right. And it's not just in food and labor. We always think about those. Those are the big two on the P&L, so to speak. But it's also down through the controllable lines. I mean, we're seeing pressure from, you know, bank service charges, utility costs, uh, um, to-go packaging, things of that nature that are all rising in, in cost. And that's not even when you get down to the part of the P&L that um, we're trying to do remodels and refresh our buildings that have been stagnant for a couple of years. So um, we want to be able to give the guests a new positive look in all of our restaurants across the entire industry. Everybody wants to do that. You can't find construction crews. You can't afford materials. And if you can't afford them, it's taking, uh, we have pieces of equipment that used to take us two weeks to get in. Now we're taking anywhere from 14 to 16 weeks to get these pieces of equipment in. And so building materials, equipment, everything, not only is it more expensive, it's incredibly difficult to get. Right, right. So you got costs going up all over the place. Across the P&L, absolutely. So how is now your Golden Corral, it's a, a buffet concept. How are you dealing with the supply chain issues? Well, I think from a supply chain standpoint, we've got a little bit of an advantage because we have 160 items on the buffet. We make many things from scratch. And so we can pivot. We have to have our core out there. We have to make sure that our supply of our, you know, our meatloaf, our, of course, we grind our own meat and do our own mixture and everything, but fried chicken, red meat, and pork and, and fish. As long as we've got those core items, we have so many different recipes that we can vary off of. So if we have a, a shortage in a particular item or an ingredient, we can pivot to another recipe. As long as we have our fried chicken out, our pot roast and meatloaf and our Bourbon Street chicken, then our guests are pretty forgiving and they they like the breadth of offering that we're able to serve. So we're able to, to expand and contract our menu as we need to, as long as we have a great variety and offering out. But on the other side, we are working closely with our manufacturing partners to, to solicit help. I mean, trying to find ways. What can we do to be a good customer so that you can be able to deliver us on a consistent basis? I think from the National Restaurant Association, we're really working on some of the broader topics, things like the Ocean uh, Reform Act, that we're really trying to get um, some of the tariffs uh, lowered so that we can get more imports coming in, especially from the east, from China and, and uh, the Philippines and Vietnam, Japan, those parts of the world. Um, 
I think there also has to be some work done on the trucker uh, driver, the professional driver shortages. And so there's some uh, pending legislation that allows uh, young, younger people, 18 to 21-year-olds, um, that can serve in our military, but they can't drive a truck across state lines. And so there's some just some common sense solutions that we've got to be able to to get moved forward. And it's it's really time for Congress, for the legislatures around the country to stop talking about it and have some emergency action. This needs to be treated like an emergency right now because not only our industry, but all industries are being faced with these really, really difficult decisions. And what it's going to end up doing, we're going to end up losing guest space, causing us to have to have fewer people employed, and then we're right back in the soup where we were two years ago. Right. So we've, I mean, we've got a Congress right now that just seems incapable of doing certain things right now. It just seems really frustrating that (laughs) they can't. Because, I mean, like, if you go back to the, I mean, it seemed like both sides, both Republicans and Democrats really wanted um, to do something to help restaurants, or at least that's what they were saying. Right. And and yet they couldn't come to an agreement on it. I mean, obviously they do this for a million other things. It's just sort of indicative of a, of, a, of a problem. And, you know, we have massive other issues, the supply chain and, 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 and right. labor issues and stuff like that, that they should at least try to figure out a way to, to bridge their differences. We spend a lot of time with the National Restaurant Association. We spend a lot of time um, on the Hill. And Sean Kennedy is our as you know, as our lead uh, advocate. And so we want to go to the Hill with solutions and we want to find people. And that's what's so frustrating is you're exactly right. They all say that they support restaurants, they support small business, they support the independent operator, but their actions are very much different than that. And they're so partisan right now and they're so entrenched in their ways of thinking that they're not coming together um, in solutions. I, I had a strong conversation with the senator just this week and it was around the lines of i can't believe that you voted against this and uh referring to the rrf and his chief of staff spoke up and said well that's what adults do and that just infuriated me and said that's no what adults do is they sit down at a table and they find a common solution and they know where the issues are and they're able to find uh, ways to um, help industries move forward to help keep workers. We're the second largest national employer, private sector employer in the country. Why wouldn't you want the restaurant industry to be incredibly healthy and growing again? And they they just don't understand. And I think part of it is, you know, it's an election year. The politicians are all positioning themselves and it's very frustrating. You use the exact right word there, frustrating. Right, right. Yeah, and the the thing is, like the the problem is like like look, I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of franchisees have had issues, especially in certain systems, and they ha- especially in systems there where you have a lot of small operators, and and I know a lot of franchisees that have really struggled, and a lot of small chains that have mm-hmm. really struggled. But I mean, a lot of you know the vast majority of those hundred thousand or so restaurants that have closed were and uh, were were small independent restaurants. Right. The majority of, you know, those 177,000 were small independent restaurants. Right. And as we're looking here at the show this, this week, and I'm just thinking about this, is like we're looking at so much innovation, you know, AI, robots, all this cool stuff designed to help you be more efficient. 
And after two years of, you know, having your business basically threatened, having your sales, you know, basically gone down to almost nothing for a while. And then, you know, once it starts coming back, all suddenly we're going to hammer your margins because of, of, of supply chain and labor costs. And every single one of these representatives, every single one of these senators has somebody on, you know, has their favorite independent restaurant. And I can guarantee you they all have a place that they like to go. And a lot of these things are going to go away. It's just really that it is so much more difficult right now, I think for the independent restaurant operator than it's ever been. And it's going to be a real struggle for them to come back. Now, I think that's exactly right. And, and, you know, at the association, we represent independents, we represent chains, we represent franchise organizations and all of those issues are things that affect every restaurant category. Um, you are correct in the fact that, you know, chains sometimes have the efficiencies of larger groups. But like Golden Corral, there are many franchise organizations out there. And franchisees, my franchisees in my company, they're independent operators. Mm-hmm. They own one restaurant. Their entire livelihood's tied up in that community. And, yes, we share the same brand. But at the end of the day, they are an independent operator. But that being said, the in one and two store operators or three store operators across the country, whether they're independent or franchisees, are really going to be facing some uphill challenges because they don't have the efficiencies that are gained by chain, you know, brand sharing uh, restaurants. So I think that that's even more reason that we have to keep pressure on Congress, even more reason why we have to continue to be engaged and advocate for our industry and thinking about the things that are so important around like what we talked about even things like removing tariffs right now whether it be on aluminum or you know goods coming in from china or whatever the particular case is get past the partisanship and let's find common solutions that work for the industry even if they're temporary i mean even if we had a couple of year reprieve on these just to get everybody back on their feet and give them some economic stability yeah, that's our job, isn't that what we isn't that what we hire them for to fix problems? That's always I I don't know I I I I sometimes think that their job they seem to think that their job is to win is to uh, win the game right. rather than actually fix problems rather than taking care of their constituents. That's mm-hmm. what and they you know they they believe I think in many cases they honestly believe that by making these difficult stands that they have that they're helping the country because that helps their party remain in power one way or the other, Republican or Democrat. And it's just so frustrating because in the meantime, the restaurants are the ones taking it in the shorts. And that just really mm-hmm. frustrates me. Um, as, as chairman of the National Restaurant Association, I've had the opportunity to see firsthand the negative effect that poor legislation or lack of movement in Congress is having on our operators across the country, across our own membership. Um, right there in the association. Right. Let's shift a little bit to labor because labor also sure. still an issue. You know, again, wage rates up 13%. Right. Uh, we just went through a period. I, 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 don't, I don't even know that we actually appreciate what happened in December and January to a lot of restaurants nearly enough because we had a situation for the first time, I don't know, in anybody's memory where we had a situation which a large number of restaurants all over the country actually couldn't have enough staff to remain open as long as they needed to be. Right. So, and, and it's not just like companies like Denny's that can't be open 24 hours. I still can't get to 
my lo- my Jimmy John's subs. My, I have a local Jimmy John's right. near my house that's just routinely closed for one reason or another. Right. Uh, be- and and uh, almost certainly because of staff issues. Yeah. And we had that happen repeatedly, certainly in December and January. And I know a lot of this was co- because of Omicron, but we had this labor shortage. So where I guess uh, that's a long way of just asking, where is that at from your perspective? I and mean, you see things getting better at all? I think the the workforce shortage is going to improve a little bit. And the reason I say that is because the consumer at home is facing all these inflationary problems as well, right? So their bill at the grocery store is going up. There's no more relief spending on them as either. So all of these um, uh, funds that are beginning to dry up across states and certainly at the national level with the unemployment and ending and things of that nature. So I think that uh, people are going to just have to go back to work. They're, they're going to have to reenter the workforce. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're coming back to restaurants. And I think that's still an issue for us in our industry. You, you look at Amazon or Google or some of these other companies that are starting, you know, people at $20, $25 an hour now in some of the areas like Denver or out in California and things of that nature. Well, those are folks that used to work in the restaurant industry. And so we're still nearly 800,000 jobs short in the restaurant mm-hmm. industry. And so we've got to be able to get some folks back to work. And so we're, we're on, uh, looking at a broad initiatives uh, across the country, things like second chance programs, hope uh, programs that give people that have been incarcerated for, you know, nonviolent crimes, things of that nature, to give them a second chance in the restaurant industry. We're working hard on internships. We're working hard with the military to be able to have the restaurant industry as a great option for when people get out of service. So um, there's a lot of things that we can do. We're trying to provide solutions, but I I don't know that the wage pressures are going to end anytime soon. Matter of fact, we're really approaching it that Food will eventually cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Food always does. So at some point, we're going to see food costs come back down. I don't think it'll be this year, and I think it'll probably be summer of next year before we really see meaningful relief in the, in the commodity area of our business. Labor's not going back down. We're not going to take people that we're hiring today at $15, and then if things improve with the workforce – we're not going to take them back to $10 or $11 mm-hmm. or $12. So that is built into the future. So, and it only goes up from there. And, you know, the, the whole argument pre-pandemic was fight for 15, right? And that was all that we heard about was that we needed this $15 living wage. And that's just not even a topic anymore because now I'd be thrilled to hire somebody at $15 yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 really more about workforce shortage, getting people attracted back to the restaurant industry. And then what you mentioned a moment ago is really important. Finding efficiencies, finding ways to have our business operate with fewer people is going to be really important. So make versus buy decisions, things like the robotics that you mentioned a moment ago. Uh, we're finding, uh, we're working with an organization called Profitality that what mm-hmm. they do is come in and do time motion studies and really evaluate every single position so that we can find the most efficient ways to operate. And I think everyone's going to have to do that across the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Profitality is a good company. Juan Martinez is a friend of the podcast. Yeah, so um, one of the, I, I guess that that's when we talk about efficiency, that's, 
I guess one of the one of the things I've thought for a long time is that the is that the industry does actually need to get more efficient on the labor front, and, and it's sure. kind of a it it's and it's really sort of coming home to roost, and it came home to roost for a while. Now it's sort of an advantage for various reasons, but the industry is needed to get more efficient over on the labor line and figure out ways to take some of that that work out of the hands of employees. So I think some, in some respects, it's actually good that mm-hmm. the industry is forced to, to, to consider this. But I mean, I think it's, you know, unfortunate that it's happening in an emergency sort of situation. Right. No, I agree with you. I think it is good. There are some silver linings, no, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, we're finding ways in our own company to be more efficient and people are wearing more hats but you can't just keep loading more and more work on fewer and fewer people. So finding other ways, the, the models around uh, robotics or the models around workforce studies, things of that nature, finding ways to attract people and have them work in ways that are meaningful for them, all of those things are going to be critically important for us as we move forward because if we're not attracting the best talent and they aren't just thrilled with their job every yeah. single day, then they're going to move on. And then that's where we lose a tremendous amount of our efficiency when we have to retrain for the same position two or three times a year. If you have a great coworker, a great manager, and you're able to bring them in and they're highly satisfied with their job and they stay with you for long periods of time and make it a career with your company, then you win and, and you can continue to pay them more, offer greater benefits, and have so much more efficiency from that standpoint. It's not, it's not just about finding ways to make the work easier or shorter. Um, it's about really retaining great talent in the restaurant industry. Right. And that's, I mean, I don't know, I think about, I think about this. Like I have, uh, I have uh, two sons, and my, mm-hmm. my eldest is, is, uh, is just about to graduate from, from high school. He's currently looking for a summer job. And we have internships. Available. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, I mean, he has, I mean, he's worked for restaurants in the past and he's liked it. You know, a, he's not considering anything like less than $16 an hour before he goes yeah. to college. And sure. the other thing though, is like he and his friends talk about some of their options that don't actually involve working. Like they want it, like sometimes when they want to go work, drive for DoorDash, for instance, yeah. that's what some of his friends are actually, or 18 are actually going to do. They want to drive for DoorDash. And I think about this, like, it's one thing I think that that, that restaurants and and almost every employer need to keep in mind going forward is that the average worker has more options to actually make their own living than they've ever had in their entire life. And it just makes that level of competition just that much more fierce. And so it just, it, it behooves operators just to make sure that their environment and restaurants are fun business. It really, it's hard. I mean, I mean, it's hard work, no question about it. But it's also fun. Ultimately, that's what restaurants should be about. And so, I mean, it gets to gets to your point. It's just really important to make sure that the environment that they're working in kind of reflects how that fun environment is, that enjoyable environment is, because they have so many choices right now. It's not even funny. Well, I really think that's going to be the differentiator in the companies that make it and the companies that don't, the independent restaurants that make it and the independents that don't. The ones that are able to figure out the staffing are able to figure out how to balance the right kind of benefits and pay levels, wage increases, things of that nature. With understanding you're going to have rising inflationary costs on your food and and possibly construction and controllable costs. But if you can figure out the labor piece, if you can really get that model uh, toned in your restaurants, that's really the winning formula going forward. 
Right. So I, I didn't ask that many questions about Golden Corral, but how are things going uh, with you guys? Uh, I mean, you've, you, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure too many chains out there that have withstood as many in, as many uh, pressures as, as as you guys have had. Well, as, as we've talked about in the past, uh, Golden Corral, the buffet segment, was the, definitely the tip of the spear when it came to the pandemic. And so, the great news uh, for our company is that we are recovering. I think. We're really in a great position going forward because I really believe customers are going to be looking for value. And as long as we can keep a lid on our pricing as much as we can through these efficiencies and supply chain solutions that we've been working on that we've been talking about, then that allows us to keep our prices low. And there's not a greater value for your money if if you're thinking about a buffet option. When you have high-quality food and you're thinking about the only one for everyone, which is our tagline, then um, that really gives us the opportunity to win in the marketplace uh, more so than really any other segment right now. So I like our position going forward. Uh, We're excited because we're up over 2019. We're up over 30% over last year, and we're seeing great uh, returns in our restaurant. The challenges are on the profitability. Um, We're really working hard to to make sure that our P&Ls stay intact. But our franchisees are an incredible, resilient group of people. Just so proud of the way that they've responded and risen to the occasion. Our saying is the comeback is greater than the setback. Mm-hmm. And we love that uh, that's really proven to be true. Lance, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast and have a great show. Hey, thanks so much. I always enjoy being with you. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimmy Spoons-Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you get your fancy listening shows. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.